Welcome back to Picture It Didn't Happen. I'm the Yeti. I'm the Jew. And we do a podcast. I mean, kind of. Yeah. So we also get to do cool stuff like interview people sometimes, too. And that is what we're doing today. The fact that this is our second interview with this dude just brings me untold amounts of fucking joy. We are joined again by Will Glass, Intrinsic. Say what's up, homie. Before we start, man, um, I mean, this could be part of the podcast, but I'm not that cool. Like, I don't know if you guys <laughs> stay up to like two in the morning to talk to me and shit. Um, <laughs> I like, mean, we, we, we're we learning about this whole time zone shit and yeah. like... He still doesn't get it. I, st- I really still <laughs> do not fucking get it. I, I, I know it makes me seem a little a little dull, but when I'm trying to talk to somebody in Britain and they're telling me what time it is, I'm like, how the fuck, what the, how the fuck is that possible? I, I blame it yeah, on the reefer. No, it's, it's really tough for me because... Uh, Everyone's like, is that, what time zone is it? I'm like, it's our own time. Like, look at a map and Hawaii is like the only thing in the latitude and lawn in the, I think the latitude lines, like there's nothing else. So yeah, it makes it like kind of difficult to do these things, but. Hey man, these uh, are the sacrifices we make, bro. Yeah, no, I appreciate staying up and like, I'm not even that cool, man. It's not like I'm fucking. <laughs> Jonathan Davis or someone, but hey I mean, man, I, I, we 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 can we can be, we can go. That that's debatable. This 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 new album definitely should uh, push you up a, a couple fucking ranks, and that's yeah. basically what we are really here to talk about is uh, lasers and poisons, the the newest underground hustling. Uh, this is holy fucking shit. I, I I've got to listen to a few of the tracks that you've let me listen to. I haven't had a chance to actually sit down and purchase the album yet because well, I'm broke. I will though. Um, that being said, wow! Again, everything you 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 shared with me is it. I'm 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 blown away by uh, some of the just some of the, the raw talent that's being shown. Yeah, man. Thank you. So, can you can you tell us anything about about this project about how it, how it came together this, this specific one? Yeah, I mean, um, I told this story a couple of days ago, so I probably have it more fine-tuned now but um and i keep these right here so i can look at the dates and now they're not here but around <laughs> i think it was two, 2000 here it is ah. okay so 2008 i dropped fall guy resurrection uh it was my last actual like studio album where there was like a budget and you know, time spent and care put into the, uh, the audio and everything like my last real studio project produced by Larry Elia, Larry Love, the guy who did lasers and poison. Now, when we did this album, we've sampled the hell out of like movies. Like we, like first one is like, we sampled the saw soundtrack, the, uh, it goes on and on, like major copyright stuff here. Luckily, I didn't sell hundreds of thousands and had, didn't have to deal with it. But after this project, shortly after, I, I started a new one with him. Um, I'm like, I don't want to use any samples at all. So we, we had four tracks. I did two of them for UGH 34. Um and then I just sat on these other two beats. Me and McNasty recorded um, vocals. I wrote the hook. I'm like, Chris, can you just sing this one part? 
and then I did the the other part of the course, and then I wrote the, recorded the verse. This was probably eight years ago. So I have that session and the other session, just every time I got a new computer, I would just transfer it over because the beats aren't cheap. Um, And they just, every time I opened my computer or a new hard drive, I would just, I label them one and two. So it was the first thing that popped up on every hard drive. And I'm just, I just saved them. First thing I want, I want to give you props for keeping track of that shit for that (laughs) fucking long. I can't, I I lose my phone every 30, 40 minutes. If you were able to hold those are like, those are like $300 beats. And I know I, I just, I'm like, I'm going to do like, I'm not going to throw it like anyway. Yeah. So, um, when COVID, whatever it is started, um, I'm like, fuck, I might as well just do something with these beats. Um, so the, the beat, we had nothing recorded to, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mental guy. Right. So I write songs in my head and then I call Larry, like I have videos and videos and videos of me playing the drums and then like either, um, singing the chorus to him or like, uh, playing the guitar riff. If the guitar riff is beyond what I can do, I'll just I'll like hum it out to him. So I had the the song in my head. I just hadn't recorded it. So I recorded the chorus. I had the chorus in my head for like eight years or so. So that sounded good. So then I, I'm like, oh, the the beat was really hard to. That's why I never done it, did anything with it. And then I I recorded the verses, and I I, I called Larry. I'm like, hey bud, how are you? He's like, whoa man, long time. I'm like, hey, um, back in the day, this guy, you would have to book six months in advance. So I'm like, what are the odds of you mixing this song for me? He's like, well, since COVID started, uh, I lost my biggest client who's uh, a live events producer. So he would make commercials for these live events, audio, video. And he's like, I lost that contract. So I got time. I got like, 20 hours a week open now. I'm like, cool. He's like, I'll mix it in the next two or three days. So he mixed it. He sent it back. And I was like, oh man, I sent it to George and uh, George of magic ninja twisted's manager, whatever Mm -hmm. CEO guy. And um, he's like, who is this? I'm like me. He's like, He's like, let me play it for Mike. And Mike's like, who is, like, you know, cause I'm doing this different voice in it part of the time. And he's like, I like it. He's like, can you make 12 more like that? I'm like, yeah. So I called Chris McNasty. I'm like, can you record a verse to this song that we did 10 years ago? Um, and then he sent that back and I mixed that and I sent it to George. He's like, okay, 10 more to go. And then, so I'm like, uh, I'm like, Larry, do you want to like, do you want to do a record? He's like, yeah, man, I'd love to. Um, and what happened was he's like, those songs we did 10 years, whatever years ago, it's like, bro, my whole shit is way different now. Like it's going to be like night and day difference between these songs and the two we just did. Mm-hmm. So he sends the first beat, which is lied to. 
God, what a what a fucking song, bro. Yeah. So he sends that. He, first, he like plays it over the phone. I'm like, oh man, are you kidding me right now? He plays like the verse riff. I'm like, I'm like, wow. So he sends that, and I I like wrote that, and like. So once I get a beat, I can't like really function in the real world until all I'm getting better at this, but until everything's written. So I literally wrote that in like 30, 40 minutes. Um, no shit. Yeah. I sent it like when I did the bridge part, I was like right here, my kids, my family was eating dinner and I'm just doing the, if you listen to the bridge, they're like, what the fuck were you doing in there? I'm like, Dude, I don't, I just, I just, I just, I don't know where that came from, but that, to date, that's probably one, I mean, it's a very good bridge. Um, and so I sent that to George. He's like, where are we, no, where are we at now? Nine. So um, what happened? I'm going to open this file so I can, I have them in order that I recorded them. So I know, um, so Lied To was the third song. Um, then Chemicals. Larry sent me the beat for Chemicals. Now the song isn't out yet, but when I got that beat and I did that chorus, I was like, oh, this, this album is going to be, like, this is big. Like, I'm, I'm like, George, you're going to hate me. Jamie's going to hate me. He's like, why? I'm like, cause this beat I just got, he's going to want that. This be like, he's going to fucking be so jealous. So I record chemicals, uh, send it to him. It's not his favorite song. Cause it's about vaccines and all the crazy GMOs and pesticides and it's Bill Gates thing. But, uh, anyway, so that's chemicals. And then he sends me this one song. It sounds like Rage Against the Machine, but like not in a good way. And so I'm like, I don't know if to do this with this one, man. He's like, what? He's like, it's so good. I'm like, uh. So I did that one. And then I'm like, listen, this is the direction I want to go in. I sent him Earth Crisis, um, Killing Brain Cells. So he sends back Lasers and Poison, which is now called Lasers and Poison. And I'm like, okay, we're back at like we're we're back in fucking business. And then it just goes, uh, what was next? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know the songs aren't out yet, so this doesn't mean anything to you guys. But um, then it just snowballed. Like, and then I started writing the songs. Um, I would send them like I would bang on the table and sing to it, and then play guitar to it, and then he would it would come back like I was like, fuck, bro, you like you get exactly what I'm thinking. And so um, before you know it, we had 18 songs. Damn. Yeah. Like, cause he was, I'm like, you know, he was used to working this extra 20 hours and he's working for me now. And I'm like, let's just do as much as we can. I mean, we have now 27 songs, but the next album is like almost done. Yeah. So anyway, um, You know, I'm like, George, I have 18 songs. He's like, do you need all of them? I'm like, I like all of them. You know, he's like, well, you know, it's your project. Do what you want. 
Um, but anything over 14 is just, you know, people are going to buy it with 14 or 12 or 18. So anyway, I put the two, I have, a, I did a super power ballad, like, and I did this huge video with it. And I'm like, I'm not going to put that one on here. Like, I think I need to be bigger for this one to really, cause this is like, november rain status Holy and then i put, yeah and then i put this other one um it was more of a newer it, like it, it's more in the direction of the new record so those two got cut uh, and then the ugh thing happened he was you know he did like half of the beats for the new for the ugh with it um we, i mean there's the whole the story is like a three-hour documentary on how this <laughs> front to back project uh came to be but it's um a double album right it's got standalone artwork for uh the mixtape which is uh under it right so this is the lasers disc and that's the mixtape disc and then you uh go into the insert and the insert stands alone so if you like want to i didn't want to like put ugh shit on my album I want it to stand alone like an album. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, if you go into it, right, there's 16 songs on the intrinsic album and there's 26, so 42 songs, dude. Um, That's a lot of fucking that music. That is indeed. Yeah. So it was, and I did the laser vision. I mean, this is the bit. I told people, I'm like, look, I'm, I'm showing you how you need to start marketing records and it's not, it's not a joke anymore. Like I, I think laser vision, the first episode, I mean, I'm just going to pull it up real quick, but I think it was like the summer. And what, what is laser vision for those that don't know? Laser vision was uh, a little like news show. Yeah. The first one aired six months ago and that was when the album was already done. So laser vision was like, uh, a TV channel for lasers and poison. So each episode we would reveal new things about the album and new things about the mixtape and who is performing, who's uh, featuring on the mixtape and et cetera. So, I mean, a lot of work, but man, it was every step of the way was exciting and, uh, well, that's that's something I wanted to ask you. Uh, the last time we had you on here, you had mentioned this project, but it was meant it was mentioned as something that you you didn't know if you were ever going to get to or not. It just it was still on the back burner, but you knew it was there. Did it feel like once you started setting down and really working on this that it just it 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 kind of I, I won't say it wrote itself, but it, that it just it really flowed very easily. It just, it just seems like you really grabbed the creative process and rode the fuck out of it on this one. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean. I mean, you know, a year later, right? Yeah, it went it went super smooth. I mean, it was it was just, you know, it's it's what I do, right? Like I'm a performer, like if you follow those Enneagram things. And so like being in the spotlight and and being a brand is fun to me. And so every step of the way, I mean, I'm so lucky I have McNasty. I, like I'll like voice message him at like three in the morning 
And I'm like, sorry, my brain just, it doesn't like three days ago. I'm like, it's like three in the morning. And I'm like, Hey, UGH 70 Tuesdays. <laughs> He's like, what? I'm like, every Tuesday we're going to release a new video from UGH 72. So we just dropped the flyer today where like we, we reveal one at a time what the next video is going to be. So it's just, it's just such a good way to like use, use my creative force and all my tools as a musician, you know, as a vocalist, as a rapper, as a songwriter, as a drummer, as a guitar ish player, as a UGH, you know, brand manager, uh, collaboration broker, producer, engineer, uh, the whole thing, right? This is like a resume and a half. Like I don't need to apply for a job, thank God, or like a record deal, thank God. But if I walked into fucking Virgin Records and where's your resume? Well, okay, here's this and this is how I did it and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, I'd pro I probably wouldn't get hired because I'm too out of the box, but I'm saying like, this is a good, and I'm, and this is like now the blueprint, right? Because now I have this new record already 60% done. I'm just going to do the same thing. I mean, yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fucking fix it. And, and, and you said it, you have all these tools in your belt. Why wouldn't you use them? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm so excited, and uh, there's just so much to this record. There's just so much to it, like the amount of people involved, and um, different tactics, and and just I remember uh, I was managing Mad Child for a while, and we uh, we went to Kevin Zinger's house. And um, I'll never forget this. We were just sitting back in his uh, backyard. And he's like, he's like, who should I sign? I'm like, if I was you, Whitney Payton and Twisted Insane. And, um, you know, what, six years later, he signed Whitney Payton. But he said, you're the future of the music business. And I'm like. You know, I, now it makes sense because I feel like the way um, in terms of like UGH, I got that. But in terms of me being an artist, now I get that too. Like, like not just UGH is the future, which is now the present six years later, but intrinsic. Like I was on Magic Ninja store today to get a link to send someone to buy my album. And I scroll down. And it says top sellers, no. intrinsic, fucking number right. one. That's fucking awesome. And I'm like, I was like, I don't know if it's fake to get people to like interested, but they just released uh, a toy and I'm the top seller like of the, of the week or the day or something like that shit. Well, I mean, that just, that just goes to show that we all love tchotchkes and knickknacks, but good fucking music is forever. Yeah. And the craziest thing is, you haven't bought it yet. Like, like I know at least 10 to 15 people who like 
are going to buy it or I thought already bought it. They're like, I haven't even bought it yet. I'm, I'm getting paid next Friday. I'm like, so like, you know, like 10% of my, or 50% of my like diehards or whatever didn't even buy it yet. Yeah. I'm like, damn. Well, something else that you've got going for you. And this is that I've seen a lot of people really taking advantage of is you, you got the merch bundle and that is, that is, that is, that is just a sweet deal to just get people to, to just, I mean, it's, it's kind of extra shit. You're getting, you're not getting it for free, but you're definitely getting it at a discounted price. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's 54 bucks. You get the hat and the shirt and the double album. And it's like, if you want to buy like a M&M vinyl, you're spending 55 bucks. Yeah. And that's literally CD. just the record. Right. Right. Or CDs like 20, like an Eminem or a Machine Gun Kelly or like one of these like major artists, you're spending 25, 30 just on getting the record shipped to your house. So it's a, re- I, I called George, I'm like, or Jason, I'm like, is, are we going to lose money on this price? He's like, no, we'll be, you know, I probably won't make any personally, but I'm like, as long as, you're not losing money. Let's do it. You know, I, I was shocked. I was, I'm like, this is a misprint, right? But you know, whatever. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Vinyl is always seems to be crazy expensive. I wasn't, I was like, how is, how are they doing that? Because we've heard other people talk about like, uh, yeah, I was going to do vinyl, but we couldn't afford it because we had it to press way more than we wanted to press. Yeah. Fortunately, I found a really good place in Poland um, and with underground hustling, it works because if I can fit 14 songs on it and each person pays 250, then I, I make my cut, and um, I cover the vinyl. Like, but personally, I can't. Aff- I, I can't. I can afford it. But is there a demand for 200 intrinsic vinyls? Right. And plus, the album is so long, I'd have to do double vinyl. So. Yeah. Now you're looking at three thirty five hundred dollars, something like that. So um, the problem with vinyl, it's like you get you scratch it once, it's and fucked. it's yeah, and you it's like in your head you're like, oh, that vinyl has a scratch on song eight, and I can't listen to it now. And it's like you just spent thirty dollars on it. So um, the CD is cool because it's throwaway, right? You rip it, you got it on your iPod, your iPhone, your computer. I like, luckily I have one of these 200 disc changers. So I rip it and put it right in there and it never gets touched again. Well, this is something I, I didn't expect this question to pop up, but it is, uh, you guys both are mentioning being vinyl guys, being enjoying listening to vinyl. Can someone explain to me once and for all, what is the overall appeal here? Like what, what is it that I'm not understanding? Um, so when we moved here to Hawaii, um, my wife just had this thing. She's like, I want to get a record player. I'm like, okay, cool. So she got a record player and she's like, I want to decorate one of our walls with your, with our favorite records. I'm like, Oh, like, you know, it's like, Oh, another way to spend money. Okay. So, um, I got faith no more angel dust. And like, we went to the thrift store and got a couple and she got rolling stones. And then she got met like a guy who, sells vinyl um and then when we moved to our new house we got a full-blown system a custom wall unit like we have like hundreds of records now um and it's just like i think more than anything it's like the 
ritual of it. Like you could smoke. Like some people just like smoking either weed or cigarettes, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you could get all the THC in the world and half of a gummy bear. But like like buying the sack and like de-seeding it or de-stemming it if it's not seed and then loading your bowl and cleaning your bong and sitting there with your friends, pull after pull. And and then like, you know, yeah, the gummy bear is going to get you fucked up. But once you eat it, like, there's no ritual anymore. It's like, oh, I accidentally ate a piece of candy. Um, and so with records, it's like you pull it out. It smells good. You look at it. You clean it off. You clean the needle. Uh, it's You put it on. There's that like four seconds of like static before it hits. And then like it sounds better. Like it. there's a depth to the audio that a CD is very flat and you can hear like when I get the test presses back for UGH, I'm like, damn, stir crazy. I, I didn't even hear it. Like I mixed this song eight times. I listened to it in the car, tested the mix. I didn't hear this, uh, this, this thing until I got it on vinyl. So there's there's just the sound quality and the the artwork's bigger and there's usually like lyrics like you know it's like i saw a, a, a article i didn't read it but it was like put your phone down and rediscover uh, the art of deep listening like when i was a kid i would like get the tape and i'd put the tape in and i'd open the lyrics and i'd just read the words and listen to the music. And then when I got older and started smoking weed, like I would just lay down, put the headphones on. And like, now it's like you're on your phone, you're like watching a video and you're texting eight people. Yeah. While you're listening to something that you've never heard before and trying to absorb the deeper meanings and the metaphors that the artist is using. So yeah, I, I, I guess I get that part. That makes, that makes a whole lot of, a lot of sense. Uh, but that's that's just that, that that's indicative to the fact that people just want everything as easily digestible as possible. They just they want to be able to get it and and absorb it and then move on to the next thing. And there is something to be said about going back to that deep listen about like like I, I I'm I'm a little I'm a little old, uh, younger so I, I missed most of the cassette days. But my yeah. my favorite way to experience music was to throw on my headphones and just go walking around town, just yeah. let just let the music carry me wherever I went to and. I feel like people they don't really do that a lot anymore. Like like you were saying, they're 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 in their phone, they're they're watching YouTube while they're listening, and it's just it just seems like it's a bit of a waste. And that's like you know, I feel like it's either going to be a very um, sh sh strong asset or a, a um, or a hindrance with this album because every song is like four minutes or longer. And there's if, if people can get by with six to seven minute tracks about how awesome they are, people can sit down and listen to four minutes about some real shit. Are you still going on about that? I will never stop going <laughs> on about six minutes of fucking bravado. Shove that shit directly up your ass. Oh, I think it was great how we had it back to back. <laughs> Two artists. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so with rap, with hip hop, if a five minute song is is a lot, 
but with this, there's intro, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, post-chorus, uh, verse, bridge, A, bridge, B. You know, there's so many. It's like, it, you know, it, it, there's rap part, singing part, yelling part, screaming part. And with the new record, they're like five and a half, six minute songs. Because every song has like a 90 second outro. And, le- and my producer's like, dude, no one, like, I'm like, I don't care. Because the way it flows is like, it sounds like a separate song. And I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, if you don't want to listen to four and a half, five minute songs with like a thousand different textures and vocal stylings, like, I don't, like, you're not going to like what I, I I'm not going to package it in two minute packages just because it's cheaper to mix and make a video, you know? No, that's, and that's, that's also, it stands to just wanting to make a product that people can truly sit back and, and enjoy. Uh, you brought up McNasty a couple times. Uh, I actually was lucky enough to see him perform uh, a couple weeks ago for the first time ever. And I, I am a fucking fan. Uh, I, I love being able to really, really experience an artist live first before I really listen to their music because it gives me a better sense of how they really are as a person. Sometimes uh, I, I just, I wanted to shout him out for that. That was, that was a really dope fucking set that he put on with a, uh, with fun time up at uh, Carl's uh, Carl's Tavern in, in, in new Haven. Yeah. And so it, I did, I did a show in Baltimore. It must've been 2003. And um, it was my first out of state show as a solo artist. And uh, I saw the flyer and I've heard his name. I heard his name before and I saw he was on the flyer. So I think I reached out to him before the show, like, you know, like, Hey, we're doing the show together, blah, blah, blah. And then we get there and um, I was with my hype man and his hype man was Kool-Aid at the time. This like super like funny brother. And, um, We stayed at the same hotel, like next to them, same, you know, and uh, I remember I always thought he was like big, like not physically, but like, I'm like, he's big, right? Like he's like famous, like, you know, like ghetto famous, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he wasn't. And he probably thought the same thing about me. And um I remember I was watching his just sat and he said, like, uh, I remember I'll never, he's like, I'm like, Baleem, I'm spitting bars like bulimic and Hershey or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, this guy's cool. Right. So we like, after the show, we went to dinner or like, I think we were there a few days. We went to the strip club. We went to dinner. Like we hung out, we got snowed in. It was like December in Baltimore. And so we like have this really, good experience bonding and um i had nothing i had no idea how to do graphic design he knew how to do graphic design so like i was like hey dude can you do this and then we just like if you hear the song end of the world that we did on this record it's it's like our relationship he's like i'm like the the um the battery right and and i have 
he's way different now, but like he's got this like very um, God, I don't want to like he has a deep, he has a like we'll call it a a a, a big pain body. Like he, he has this like um I don't know, he's just this you just want to hug him because there's something like and I'm like the dude, let's do it. Like we can do it. You can do it. Like we got, like, we're going to do that. Like it's, it's literally been like 12, what is it? 2003. So 17 years Mm -hmm. of me just pushing this guy. I mean, I can't believe he's still around honestly. Cause when I do that to most people, they're like, I'm like, you know how many intrinsic tap outs there's been (laughs) like, I was in like seven bands, eight bands. And like, Everyone's like, fuck, bro. I, I can't practice four hours a day, f- five days a week and do shows and go flyer and put money into all. Like, I'm like, fine, next. So, um, I mean, I I was the per. I'm like, moved to Phoenix. He's like, oh, I don't know, man. He was from Oklahoma. He was there his whole life. And um, I started blowing up a little bit. I'd bring him out and we did this. Sh- I remember I, he'll remember this too, but um, we did this show where um, he was just, he started just coming to like perform as part of at the time it was in trends Inc. There was me virus, Jason Porter, uh, Daniel Jordan, Jay, Chris, Dylan Kane, um, Grim and McNasty. And so every time we would do a show, it'd be like eight of us. Like it was like kind of Wu-Tang Clan. And we'd each, you know, I would do the most, of course, because I'm the fucking business guy. Um, but they'd each get their like song or song and a half or like at the end, we'd all come out. Like it was a whole thing. Like there's probably videos out there of it. But we headlined a show at the Marquee, which is the biggest venue like for underground, you know, you know, like Deftones would play there. Mm-hmm. Um you know, black label society, like the, it's like a 1500 capacity club and we headlined it and um, we did like 900 people, which like for Phoenix, that's unheard of. Yeah. And I remember, I remember um, he was staying at my house that night and he always brought his laptop. And like, after the show, I'd be like, bust out the laptop. I need this graphic done. I need that graphic done. So he's doing graphics and I pull out this bag and I set it down and I just start counting money. I'm like, you want one? It was all hundreds. I'm like, you want one? He's like, yep. I'm like, boom. I'm like, you want another one? I'm like, boom. You want I just kept feeding him hundreds. And he's like, fuck, bro. I'm like, dude, when are you going to move out here? And uh, like I got, I had, we had like skybox to the Suns games and we were, I was just like trying to get him out there and he moved out. He, he lived, we lived, that's when we did end of the world. We lived in the same house together, apartment. Um, And then we were just hitting it, bro. Like, you know, like, see, like UGH, that's how UGH fucking started, man. Like that, that brings us real full circle because I, I, we, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I wanted to ask you, what are some of the features they can expect for the new UGH track? Just, just, mm-hmm. just a little tidbit for the, for, for the, for the, for these, these, these cats for this album. Um, so the UGH has, um, Bishop, uh, 
Bishop Dempsey, he's from Arkansas. He's moving to California. We got Blackfoot. He was on Toy Gory, um, Dynasty, Playboy the Beast. That song's already out on Bandcamp. D Crisis, who won the contest. Um, the HOF, who's all over UGH stuff. Jamie, Madrox, Boondocks, The Uncanny, who's an awesome new group. Really helpful, really helping this project get going. Um, Necrotic, Toy Gori again, uh, Jamie Madrox again, Adam John again. I'm on like every song, basically. Crypto Man, Lit Vincent. We got Rigamortis, More Dynasty, ROC, Third Trip, another Jamie Madrox with Demented. We got Gunsmoke with another Boondocks feature, Twisted Insane, Masta, Flock to Murder, Mike Z, BME, Sedusa featuring Lex the Hex, uh, Trip Nasty, All It Is, Dead Guy, Ground Zero, King Gordy. Um, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, M. Welkin, White Marley, more Jamie Madrox on that one. We got Void, uh, my one of my newest favorites. Um, D-Day and Ray and Spaz the Wicked with Stevie Stone. So it's... And we got a video, like at least eight videos, probably more for that album as well. So for the next like two, three months, it's going to be a new intrinsic video every Friday, a new uh, UGH video every Tuesday. And then um, I have, it's called track marks. I'm going to, I'm going to roll that out on Sundays, I think, where it's me and Larry giving commentary on each single to lasers and poison. So it's like, con like this is how the game works right now. You need, day you need like, like AM PM content every day. Yeah. Literally. And, and you, you really have to, but because uh, people are doing this and if it, they keep seeing lasers and poison, eventually they're going to be like, what the fuck is this lasers and fucking poison shit? It's like and the then they're gonna, like, back in the day. Yep. It's like yeah. them stickers back in the day. You see, it's, 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 it's kind of the promo we're doing now, but uh, I just, I really wanted to thank you for taking some time to talk to us. Uh, I appreciate that. I don't get to, I don't get to talk to a lot of people who I'm also legitimate fucking fans of. And uh, yeah. I, I will be buying the fuck out of this album, man. I'm, I'm thank you for, for sitting down with us. Negativity is what's keeping us from that.